0: friends. Welcome to another episode of the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith, and I'm excited you're here today to learn more about my weight loss transformation journey and also so you can hear my top tips for weight loss success. I want to talk about this issue of how do you lose weight? I get asked a lot, wow, you lost 250 pounds, how did you do it? And my answer is very long because I didn't just do it one way. I lost a lot of weight and then I stopped losing weight and then I had weight loss surgery and I lost a lot of weight and then I stopped losing weight and I started gaining a little weight back. So then I lost that again and then I stagnated and then I lost a little more. and, And so I don't know how to answer that question. It's kind of a long answer, and so good thing I have a podcast so I can talk at you and tell you in great detail how I did it. So I'll tell you the story, kind of the timeline of it, and then I'm going to break it down into some of the keys along the way. So first of all, when I found myself 405 pounds, it's important to note that you have to eat a lot of food to be that heavy. And I ate a lot of food. Uh, A day in the life of me, I remember where I lived at the time, we had a three-story townhouse. And I would come down the stairs in the morning and see directly into the kitchen. And I was so excited to get up and go to the kitchen because that meant I got to eat and I would start the day with Oreos or sweets or chips. I would just start eating whatever I wanted. And if I was home all day, that just would continue all day. Um, I was a full-time college student at that time. I had a three to five-year-old, Stephen was probably four or five, um, and I'd been married for about seven years and I was in school. Um, And so Some days I didn't have class, and I would be home, and I would just eat all day, and I would study, and I would watch TV, and I would often drive to Subway, which was close by, and get a foot-long sub, and eat that, and then go to the grocery store, and get snacks, and bring those home, and eat those in the afternoon, and I remember eating until I was so full that I was very uncomfortable, and I... Would have to stop eating, and then I would be really excited when I wasn't full anymore because that meant I could eat some more. So I was never hungry, and I just eat all the time. And um, sometimes for dinner, I would well I made dinner a lot. My ex husband really liked unhealthy food. It's interesting to note when I met my my husband, he was skinny, and I was like a women's size twenty. I was about two hundred and ten pounds. And I got pregnant really soon after we got married and I gained a ton of weight in my pregnancy and so did my husband. (laughs) Um, We were so unhealthy. We were young. We were 19 and 21 um, when we had our son and just, we ate like stupid teenagers, macaroni and cheese and lasagna and pizza. Oh my God. We would order pizza all the time and we would eat like a whole pizza each and Plus breadsticks. And then I'd make a chocolate cake. And we drank so much Mountain Dew. We just kind of, we were like kids. And yet we were parents and adults. And we just ate garbage. And so I would make dinner. And it would usually be spaghetti or lasagna or pizza or some kind of a carb. And then if we ever got takeout, my strategy was I would go. To McDonald's and eat a value meal on my way to pick up the takeout and then bring the takeout home and eat that with my family. Like, no, so they wouldn't even know I had that other meal. And so I was constantly eating all day long and for sure eating two breakfasts, two lunches, two dinners, and then eating all night on the couch, eating ice cream before bed. I mean, the amount of food was crazy. And you can't be 400 pounds without eating a lot of calories to sustain that kind of weight. So when I first started to lose weight, the real, the real key was just to cut out a little bit of that. Of course, I did the binge dieting where I would all of a sudden go on Weight Watchers and cut my food way down. And I mean, I would lose 10 pounds in a week, easy. Um, But eventually, I mean, just getting into more of a routine. When I graduated college, I got a full time job. And so I had more of a routine and more to do in my day. And so I was just eating more regularly scheduled meals and not so much volume. And I was able to lose some weight pretty steadily that way as well. Um, I hated being fat and I, God, I just remember how it felt to walk around with that kind of weight on my body and to just feel like the sooner I could get out of public and into private and eat the better I would be and it was this vicious cycle of eating to feel better about how bad I felt and then feeling bad and then eating to feel better about how bad I felt I mean it's such a vicious cycle and if you've ever been overweight you know that cycle and you it's like so much self-loathing so much shame and yet you're stuck. And so honestly, the key to starting to lose weight was to just slowly, in moderation, start to adjust. And I remember I started slow when I would go to take my son to daycare. I would stop on the way and get two ham, and cheese croissants from Burger King. And then I'd drop him off at his babysitter. And between there... And my classes, I would go to McDonald's and get a sausage, egg and cheese biscuit and two hash browns and a giant Coke. And I would have that the rest of my commute to school. Now, this entire commute was like 40 minutes. So there's two big meals before I even get to school. And then I would sit in class for an hour or two. And then I had a long break most of the time and so I would go to a Chinese buffet and I would have lunch and I would eat chicken wings and lo mein and fried rice while I studied. And then go back to campus, go to my last couple classes or whatever and then grab a value meal at McDonald's on my way home. I loved the two cheeseburger value meal at McDonald's or the Big Mac with an extra burger and extra sauce and two large fries and an ice cream cone or a McFlurry. And then when I got home, you know, again, 40 minutes later, then I would make dinner and I would have dinner with my family. (laughs) It's crazy. So just getting a job where I would just go to work and I'd be there all day and I couldn't go sit at a Chinese buffet. I, you know, you just, you can't sustain that kind of weight on your body. So luckily some of that just came off. I had a big motivation in that my sister got engaged and I was to be in her wedding and I went to get a bridesmaid dress and I was already rather worried because most stores didn't sell clothes that fit me and so I went to and I am gonna name drop I went to the wedding shop on Grand Avenue in St. Paul and if any of you people live in Minnesota you know what I'm talking about they're like famous and stuff but I went in there and yeah I was really fat but you know what they sell dresses to women who are going to be in weddings like weddings that are the biggest events usually in their families' lives and friends lives and so I went in there and I They told me which dresses my sister had picked and she'd picked a style that was a skirt and then you could pick whatever top you wanted to go with it. And so the lady said, well, the skirt will be no problem. We can make those as big as we need to. And then the tops, there's really only two that would work. And then she proceeded to grab one of the sample tops. It was hanging on a hanger and she held it up to the front of me and proceeded to tug it and stretch it and make grunting sounds like, it's really hard to imagine what this would look like on you but essentially we would sew extra material in here and you'd get it on and she made me feel like I was the fattest most disgusting person that had ever attempted to buy a dress and I just remember the I mean it was so emotionally devastating and I just said well get me the biggest size that you have. And she's like, well, I don't know that that probably still will be too small. We're going to have to sew extra fabric into it. And I said, no, it'll fit by the time it comes. And I was humiliated and angry and humiliated. That woman, whoever she was, should have known better than to treat anybody like that. Um, it was devastating, but also I resolved that I was going to lose weight before my sister's wedding and I don't recall how much time it was between that incident and the wedding but when I went to pick up my dress it fit and it was actually a little bit too big so that dress was the size 28 and so I had been wearing 30 and 32s and that that dress fitting me was such a victory um and that really kind of propelled me, that little success. So I didn't lose 250 pounds that year, but that got me going. And I probably lost, I guess if I had to guess, about 50 pounds that year. Um, and then from then, it just continually to kind of gradually, I drop a size. And when I was able to shop at Lane Bryant, which is probably one of the nicest stores for plus size women, you know, they start at size, I think 30, 30 or 28, when I was small enough to be able to wear their largest size, um, it was helpful because I could then get clothes I felt good in and I wanted to get into more clothes that I felt good in. And that was a really big incentive for me to continue to work on my weight. Even though I stayed morbidly obese for another decade, um, not decade, I guess five years, six years, I certainly was not. heavy as I 400 pounds. I hovered around 300 pounds for a long time. And that felt good to me after having been so much more heavier than that. Um, But it was still very unhealthy. And then I started a pattern of weight watchers, joining weight watchers and doing well, losing 20, 25 pounds, and then dropping out of that and gaining it back. And I tried the HCG diet, which I don't recommend you you drink this hormone and then you eat 500 calories a day. And it can only be one piece of meat and one apple or strawberries or something. It was so restrictive. And yeah, I lost weight. Anybody would lose weight eating 500 calories. But putting a stupid hormone pill in your body was ridiculous. Um, but I did that for a while. And I did lose some weight. I gained most of it back. But I every time I did one of those things, I, I would keep a little bit of the weight off. Um, when... I had left my terrible marriage. I dropped some weight because of leaving a terrible marriage. And I got mono. And so good sickness can cause you to lose a little weight. But I hovered around 280, 290 then um, for another year or so. And that is when I just was like, I, I'm i tired of fighting this weight. And I couldn't seem to change my habits long enough to make any more progress and so that's when I went in and found out that bariatric surgery was covered by my insurance and that I qualified. I wasn't obese enough to qualify just by my BMI which I think was 35 but if you have a BMI of 35 and you have a comorbidity they'll approve it and so comorbidity would be like high blood pressure or diabetes or asthma or sleep apnea and I'm asthmatic So you combine asthma with a BMI of 35, and I qualified for weight loss surgery. So in order to get a surgery date, I had to go through a six-month program with the insurance um, company to show my willingness and ability to be successful. So that involved talking to a nutritionist and a dietitian. I started working out. I started going for psychological testing and the rule was that i couldn't gain any weight otherwise they wouldn't give me a surgery date so that really helped me start to work on my habits prior to weight loss surgery and then weight loss surgery it's such a magic pill um, you just can't eat you just can't you can't eat eating became a frustration because i would go from feeling very full very empty and very hungry to two bites later, being overly full and uncomfortable and hating my life and wanting to go to bed. And so I just, it was frustrating. But the weight just fell off. And I was just drinking protein shakes and water. And um, it's a really unhealthy way to lose weight, really. But because it gets you, it gets rid of the risks of being obese, it's like a tit-for-tat, pick-your-poison type of a thing. And so I remember... For the first time ever, not being able to comfort myself with food. And that was really hard. I remember one night I was driving and I was sad about something. And it was the first time that I realized that I had to cope without food. And I passed fast food restaurants. And I was like, I can't stop there. And I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know how to comfort myself. I didn't know how to bear my emotions in that moment without food. And I just remember driving, sobbing. I just, I thought, what have I done? I can't cope and I have no Band-Aid. And that moment is forever burned in my mind. And that is the power of something like weight loss surgery. I had to face how I felt for the first time. And there was no... Giving up on the diet or quitting. I couldn't. I couldn't. I'd locked the door behind me. And I immediately got a therapist. (laughs) And I started going to therapy every week and talking about my feelings and just processing feelings without food on the table and talking about my changing body and my changing body image. And how to cope with what I saw in the mirror compared to what I saw in the mirror. As in, I still saw the fat girl, even though that body was shrinking. Every day I woke up pounds lighter. And so every day I didn't recognize myself a little bit more. And it was exciting. It was exhilarating. But it was such a lost feeling at the heart of it. And I'm so grateful I found the therapist that I did that just guided me through talking about it, admitting it. Um, He also taught me that nobody is watching me as closely as I think they are. I started to put a lot of pressure on myself to be perfect and to be the success story of weight loss surgery to the world. And I put a lot of pressure on myself and nearly drove myself crazy with that and He just said, you know, people are more concerned with their own lives and their own problems than they are about what's on your plate or what your scale says. And that was really freeing because I was just so consumed for a long time with that. And so that process of losing, um, I lost about 80 pounds in six months and I lost a total of 100 pounds in about a year. And that year was a crazy roller coaster. My hormones went nuts. Of course, I had nothing that fit me. My body was still settling. All of a sudden, I had skin everywhere. That was so freaky. They they warn you about that that you're fat and then you get thin and your skin does not bounce back. And I was horrified. I just horrified. I, like my body looked like it was melted. And while it was great to be smaller. Boy, that was an emotional cluster to just say, wow, I've lost all this weight and my body still looks terrible. I've I've ruined it. Look what I've done and th- I did this to myself. And wow, I just had such shame and such guilt and embarrassment. And for a while I hated my thin body more than I had hated my fat body. And again... I credit my therapist for helping me through that. If you are going through weight loss or you've experienced massive weight loss, or I encourage you to find someone that you can talk to. and just So you can say everything that you think in your head. You can say it out loud and hear how absurd it sounds, hear how sad it sounds, and say it to somebody who's qualified to know how to respond to you and how to guide you out of that really powerful for me and I'm so grateful for him he was so pivotal in making that experience be in the end very healing and it was a process a beginning and an end versus an event that held a lot of power over me I think it had the potential to and he was really really great so after about a year the restriction that you receive from weight loss surgery dissipates and it happens slowly. All of a sudden you you experiment with a little bit of a snicker bar and nothing bad happens. And you go, oh. <laughs> and pretty soon you're having a little snicker bar a little more often. Or you realize you can eat a whole big grab bag of potato chips from the gas station. And those mush into basically nothing in your stomach spatially. And so you can eat a whole bag of chips. And then you're full But it was still only two hundred and ninety calories, and so all of a sudden the rules about eating protein first and getting nutrition start to slide, and all those bad habits start to creep back in. And I saw my weight loss stagnate, and then I slowly saw the numbers start to go back up, and I wasn't eating more than I was than a normal person my size would. But your metabolism takes a beating, and it's it took years for it to recover, and so. It seemed like any little fluctuation and eating bad things and eating more than even six to 700 calories a day, I started gaining weight back. It was amazing to eat a thousand calories a day and see the scale climb. But weight loss surgery is extreme. It messes with your metabolism, it messes with your hormones, it messes with everything. It's definitely not a quick fix, it's definitely not the easy way out. It's a powerful tool, but it costs you something physically and emotionally and mentally. Um, And so I was panicking because I didn't want to be one of those people who has weight loss surgery and gains their weight back. Because unfortunately, that is the common tale. That is the sad thing to me about bariatric surgery is it helps so many people get a lot of weight off but when this slide backwards starts it seems like it is very difficult for most to stop that from happening and they're still considered a successful weight loss surgery story because they've left that morbidly obese category perhaps um, some of their comorbidities have resolved but a lot of these people are still morbidly obese or obese a year later or they gain back 50% of what they lost. And it's still better than they were, but now you're overweight and defeated because this tool worked, but then when you had to work and you didn't, it quote-unquote failed. And honestly, that's what happens, and that's the tough, I'm not petting anyone, truth about it. It's a tool, and it works for you, And then at some point that tool sort of steps back and then it's on you to be like every other person in the world who has to work hard to be healthy and fit. And unfortunately, it's hard to swallow it and it's hard to actually do it. And a lot of people get weight loss surgery because it is a quick fix and are completely not convinced and prepared for the work that it goes into. And I get passionate about this because... There's so many people who say that weight loss surgery is cheating. Um, I have a lot of unsupportive people in my life to this day. And some of the hurtful things uh, that have been said frustrate me. And I get defensive because um, it's a lot of work. And it's not, it's not cheating. And it's not a get skinny quick gimmick. It, it's a powerful tool. But at some point, the tool... The tool takes to the backseat, and now it's just old-fashioned hard work. And anyway, I have to stop ranting about that, because I could go crazy on that topic. But anyway, so that point in time is when I discovered paleo. Paleo, um, the paleolithic diet, basically it's focusing on eating the way, quote-unquote, cavemen ate, which is meats, fats, nuts, and seeds, and vegetables. It's cutting out dairy and grains and sugars. Well, the bariatric diet that they want you to follow is pretty similar. It's very high protein. They don't tell you to cut out dairy and um, all carbs. But essentially, the paleo diet worked well for me because fat is filling and protein is filling. And I found really great resources with great recipes and ideas for making things that felt like dessert but that were not full of sugar. And um, I really embraced it. And this was 2012, 2013, and that's only six or seven years ago. But the, I had to buy, like, almond flour online. I had to buy tapioca starch online. They did not have a lot of the, the items that I needed to cook paleo like they do now in the stores. And so it was tough, and it was expensive. And um, I'm really glad for the paleo movement because it got a lot of really healthy foods at our fingertips um, but so paleo helped me stop the keep the ship from turning completely around and I was able to get my weight back um, under control and um, I was down to like maybe 180 or so doing paleo. and I started running and training for marathons and um, by the way, you don't lose weight training for a marathon at least I didn't and most people I know don't because you just ate so much because of all of the running but so, So paleo is another lifestyle change that I really embraced and it worked for me for a really long time and I was also strength training with a personal trainer and doing a lot of cardio and, and then this is the real kicker. When something lights you up and you're excited to do it, do it. Eating paleo lit me up. It was fun. It was exciting. It was new. It was something I could stick to. I felt fed. I felt like I could indulge. I didn't have to do a lot of work to count what I was eating and it was working. And weightlifting with a trainer was awesome. I loved it. Running was awesome and I loved it until all of a sudden I felt like I needed a change. So I switched gears and I joined a CrossFit gym. And all of a sudden I found something new that lit me up and a new group of friends and a new way to move my body. And I continued to eat paleo paleo was really embraced at the CrossFit gym and it was awesome. And so I started to completely change my thinking. And that is when I was like, I'm a fit person and I'm never going to be fat again because I embraced the lifestyle of a CrossFitter and someone who food prepped and cooked things in a crock pot. And, and it was like, there was a shift and yeah, I was still about 180 pounds, which was still overweight for my height, but that that was awesome and i was happy at that weight for a long time and then i decided that i was eating too much and my weight stopped and it started to creep up again so i downloaded an app and i started tracking all my food and i started counting my calories and my macronutrients and i was able to lose 10 pounds just focusing on that you get what i'm going here it's been a process of lots of things lots of different ways of eating Lots of different workout types. That's how I did it. That's how I lost all the weight. Um, And then um, I left CrossFit when I moved and I had gotten remarried. And then I really floundered because I moved. I was a newlywed. I had stepkids. I was cooking different foods. I was out of my routine. I had left my gym friends. I didn't have a gym family, which is really important to me. And I gained... I was back up to 190 pounds at the end of 2016. And um, just not lit up and not excited about anything. And so I tried Orange Theory, which I liked, but I could never get into a class. Um, I went back to a different CrossFit gym. It didn't light me up. It wasn't the same. And so there was a new gym opening down the street called F45. And it looked fun and interesting, and I joined... Um, when it opened in August of 2017, and I haven't looked back since. That is my groove thing. It's so much fun, and I have a whole new gym family and fit friends, and they have a challenge that they run several times a year. It's eight weeks, and they offer a full meal plan with recipes, and it's beautiful, clean, balanced food, and you just follow that, and it's a total game changer for your body. So in 2017, I dabbled in that. But in 2018, I really embraced it. And I did the challenge for the eight weeks. I cooked every meal. I ate everything as I was supposed to. I ran. I went to F45 and I was able to drop 18 pounds, drop my body fat down. And so I ended that challenge at my leanest, lightest weight of my life. And so I think that was about 168 pounds and I felt amazing and that was awesome. And I just maintained that and then I was able to do the 75 hard program this past year and um, drop more body fat and I got down to my lowest weight ever of 155, which was finally the mark where I lost 250 pounds. So when people say, how did you do it? There's the answer. (laughs) Um, It's called being tenacious. And it's called paying attention to what does and doesn't work. It's called falling in the ditch and deciding the ditch is death. And picking myself up, getting back on a path. Sometimes the same path, sometimes a brand new path. But never staying in the ditch and never being happy with going backwards. Sometimes you gain 10, 15 pounds. You have to have the the ability to stop and say, this far and no further. And regroup, reassess, recommit, and start over for a new day one. And this is where I get very preachy and passionate because I know that at age 41, the my average lifespan, I'll probably live another 40 years, I'm going to have to have a day one again, over and over and over again. Because what I'm doing now is probably going to stop working for me in the same way it works right now. And I'm going to have to reassess and regroup and figure out a new way to address the thing that's tripping me up. I'm going to have to lose another five pounds again. I'm going to gain five pounds again. I'm going to lose some muscle mass and have to put it back on. I am going to have to start over, over and over again. And you know what? That's awesome. I know how to do that. I don't know how to be perfect, and I don't know how to never fall down again, but I have mastered the art of standing up, brushing myself off, looking in the mirror and saying, wow, that really sucked, but you're so freaking rad. You're just going to figure it out. Let's just figure it out, and we figure it out, and that's, that's how you do it. Losing weight is math, but keeping it off and continuing on the path of healthy living and becoming the healthiest version of yourself, mind, body, and spirit, it's a process. And if you think of the destination being this mecca of perfectly thin, perfect body fat, perfect skin, perfect diet, perfect workout program, you may achieve that for four minutes one day. But the next time... You forget to drink a glass of water and you blow it up well there went the scale. Or the next time you get sick and you can't go to a workout now you've blown your perfection. I mean, you may attain perfection for a second, but you can't keep it for the rest of your life. So get real comfortable with falling down and picking yourself up, because that's the reality. And so how did I do it? How do I keep doing it? So that's the story of my weight loss. I've lost two hundred and fifty pounds and it's Still, something that makes me smile and giggle a little and shake my head, um, but hopefully you hear the themes of tenacity and finding the things that light you up and doing those things. But I want to break it down a little bit into kind of a list of the keys to weight loss and keeping it off from my perspective and my experience. So, first of all, it's really important that you connect with your why. Write it down, say it out loud, but It's important that it's not just, I need to lose weight. Okay, well, why do you need to lose weight? Get very specific. Um, For me, the why was at first was I wanted to be in my sister's wedding and wear a dress that fit. That was as basic as it was. And then once I started losing weight, it became, okay, I want to wear clothes I can buy in a conventional store and then I want to be able to walk without being winded. And the overarching why was I wanted to feel good about who I was. And my why has morphed and changed. But regardless, the point is is you need to connect with your why. You also need to connect with why not. As in, if I don't address this, if I do not lose weight, what's going to happen? How am I going to feel in 30 days? How am I going to feel in three months when I'm facing the scale or a pair of pants or something that tells me that I am overweight? How am I going to feel if I do nothing then? I'm going to feel and then write it out. Conversely, how am I going to feel in 30 days when I have been working at losing weight? I've been showing up in my own life and I'm actually doing this. How am I going to feel? How am I going to look? How am I going to carry myself What is it going to mean for my daily activities, for my family life? Write it down. Say it out loud. Make it real to you. It is so important to connect with your why mentally and emotionally. It's not, I'm going to lose 50 pounds and when I do, I'm going to buy myself a bracelet. That may motivate you to a degree, but it's an external thing and it has nothing to do with the actual problem and the actual solution and what you're actually trying to do. So connect with your why. Say it out loud. I encourage you to write it down. I encourage you to write it down and edit it a few times and either take a picture of it and put it in your phone or write it on your phone. Um, Somehow put it on paper. Um, I'm sorry for that background noise. That's my espresso machine shutting down and I'm not sophisticated enough of a podcaster to know how to edit that out. (laughs) <laughs> so connect with your why. And then if, you, if your goal is to lose, I'm going to use the example of 50 pounds in, for the purposes of these um, keys and examples. So if you need to lose 50 pounds, there's probably a lot of reasons why you need to lose 50 pounds. You don't gain 50 pounds overnight. And you don't gain 50 pounds because there's one thing that you do or do not do wrong in your eating plan. Or in your lifestyle. Most likely, if you need to lose any amount of weight over five to 10 pounds, there are many habits and foods that are not ideal in your life. And this is where it's important to be really honest with yourself. Um, It's hard. We're taught to be kind to ourselves, but yet we're not. Except when it comes to something like this, a lot of times we wanna cut ourselves slack because it feels terrible. To say, I have made bad choices, I have eaten too much food, I have chosen the easy route, I have chosen pleasure, over discipline, I have made decisions that have brought me to this place and the only person who is responsible is me. And yes, you may have gone through some hard times, you may have had health issues or job issues, or life may be going crazy around you. And while all of those things are valid excuses for not having time to invest in a lot of things, it's important to be honest with the fact that if your weight is where it is, the only person who has put the food in your mouth, chewed it, and swallowed it is you. So while circumstances may have affected how you felt, which then made you feel like it was okay to overeat or eat unhealthy food... You are still the person who chose to indulge in those things. And I'm not trying to be mean here, but I'm also not here to pet you. It does not matter what life throws at you. You still have a choice. And it's important to say to yourself, I have made choices that were not in my own best interest. But that ends now. And look at your behaviors and the food choices you have and pick one or two things that most need to change. What I mean here is your lifestyle may be one where you overeat at every meal, you overeat the wrong things at every meal, you eat as a bedtime comfort, maybe you eat just too many desserts, maybe you don't eat organic, maybe you eat too many processed foods, maybe you eat in the drive through too much fast food, too many meals out, too much snacking, whatever it is. It's important to know that you cannot address and change all of those things successfully at one time. Unless you're a superhero. So I encourage you to pick one or two things and address those things right away. If you eat out too much, determine that that is the thing that's going to change first. If you eat dessert too often or snack too often, address those. Bottom line is, don't try to change everything all at once, completely. It's just not realistic. You can add and change these things over time as you get more confident in your ability to change your habits. So next up, if you need to lose weight, you need to choose a plan. And it's important to pick something that you feel like is going to work for you in the long run. And I encourage you to look backwards at the the things you've already tried. And you may find that you loved going to Weight Watchers you loved counting calories or you've always wanted to try keto or it was really, really awesome when you focused on protein shakes and smaller meals or going vegetarian. Look at the things that worked for you for a period of time and assess why you're not doing them anymore. A lot of times we get tired of something and it just doesn't jive or it's too much effort, it's not realistic for our lifestyle And assess why they didn't work or if you just simply stopped doing them. But something like Weight Watchers, um, I did Weight Watchers a billion times and it worked every single time until I stopped working it. But Weight Watchers was very balanced, very reasonably priced, and very common sense and focused on the right things in my opinion. But it only worked as long as I worked for it. So if you find that something like Weight Watchers has worked for you in the past, consider doing that again. But go all in, go to meetings, Um, pay for the, the all access pass so that you can have online chats or whatever it is. Go all in and determine that you're going to work whatever program it is that you choose to do. If you're going to count macros, download a macro calculator, track your food in an app. If you want to try keto, research it, get a keto cookbook. Um, get rid of everything in your house that does not fit whatever it is that you're going to do for a plan. But bottom line, pick something that you feel like you could do forever and not hate your life. And let me tell you, that may change after a few months and that's fine. But from the get-go, do not choose something that's going to make you absolutely loathe getting out of bed and thinking about the food you get to eat. You should be excited about the food you get to eat. Keto works really well for men because you get to eat fatty steak, eggs, bacon. But remember, you also need to eat vegetables and fiber. And so there's no eating plan that's going to give you every single thing that you want perfectly, because this is a kicker. You can have anything you want. You just can't have everything you want all the time. So pick something, and here's the other kicker on this point. Determine that you are going to stick with it for at least 30 days. That means after eight days, if you're feeling like garbage on keto or feeling tired on counting calories, determine that you're going to power through that because guess what? Your body has to adjust to a massive change. Your mind, your emotions, your hormones, your water levels, everything in your body changes when you adopt a new way of eating and it's important to stick with it for at least 30 days. I would postulate 60 days is important. You have to give it a shot and you have to really take the time to build these habits and these responses to foods that you eat. So choose a plan and stick with it. The next most important key, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on the next couple because these are truly the most important to my success. And that is to set a goal that is measurable and has a time frame on it And then put it away and focus on consistency instead. So that's a long title to this point. But so if you have 50 pounds to lose, it's important to write that down. My goal is to lose 50 pounds. You want a specific measurable goal. And you want a time frame for that goal so that you have to get busy. So I'm going to lose 50 pounds. A lot of times we want to do all of these things super fast. And we set unrealistic time frames. So if you say, I want to lose 50 pounds in six months, awesome. Add two months to that and say eight months. Add some time to it. You want to take the stress off of this. You want to take the urgency off of this. Because this is an attempt to change your lifestyle. And time is going to pass anyway. And you're going to get to January 1st, 2021. And you do not want to be starting over again, demoralized again with another year of starts and stops, starts and stops and failure. You want this to be the time where your weight loss efforts, it it results in a permanent change in how you live your life. So take the stressful time crunch off of this. Yes, have a time, an end site for when you wanna hit a milestone, but add to it, make it longer than you think. If you really do need to lose 50 pounds, consider a year, that's one pound a week. You're going to lose more than that initially, but it's going to slow down. It's going to average out. And if you got to the end of the year having lost 50 pounds, does it really matter if it happened in June and then you just kept it off for another six months? Or is it better if it's just simply off your body and you feel at peace and comfortable with your new lifestyles to support that 50 pound weight loss? I'm going to venture that the latter is more important. So write that down, how much you want to lose and when, and then I want you to put it in an envelope and put it away somewhere and do not look at it again for a while. Because guess what? It's demoralizing to look at a goal that's far away. 50 pounds takes a long time. If you get on a path and your destination is at the top of a mountain and you can barely see it way in the distance and you start walking – it's not going to appear that you're any closer to that goal for a while. And as you get tired, it's easy to start thinking, I'm never going to get there. This is really hard. Ugh, all this work I'm doing and I don't see any progress. And I want to quit. That's what happens. That's what we do as human beings. That's what I do. I shouldn't say we. That's what I do. And so what I have found has been absolutely Monumentally beneficial to me is to take my eyes off of that big goal way ahead and look down at my feet. Because the thing that I can see every day is my left foot being picked up off the ground, moved ahead a little bit, and set down again, followed by my right foot over and over again. I can see that, I can track that, and that's powerful. And if you keep your eyeballs on your toes and not at the top of the mountain, you're gonna be able to track and watch progress being made every single day. So what I'm gonna venture is instead of tracking your average weight loss per week and total pounds lost, I'm gonna say get a piece of paper and just simply write the date in a long row down the side and put a little check box next to each day. And do that for 365 days if you can fit it on one page or perhaps you get a journal or a notebook or some way to track. And the only thing that I would venture is important to track is if you can put a check marks, check mark in the box of each day. Did you follow your food plan? Yes or no. Did you, if you're on keto, did you eat keto foods and only keto foods according to plan today? Yes or no. Yes, I did. Did you stay within your calorie or macronutrient goal? Yes, I did. Or no, I did not. That is the only thing you control in this whole thing. Your body is going to release weight as it releases weight, as it adjusts, as it changes. If you're a woman, you're going to have hormonal fluctuations as your fat levels change. You're going to have responses with water weight and retention depending on hormonal cycles. Your blood volume is going to change from day to day. You cannot control what that scale does between a Monday and a Tuesday or the first of the month and the 30th of the month. What you can control is your actions that lead to that check marks being put in the box. So that's what you should be focusing on. That gives you power. That empowers you. That gives you courage and motivation to do it again tomorrow. And as you see that list of check marks growing, you can say, wow, look at the progress that I've made. Look what I'm doing. It's so exciting. So track that consistency. And going right along with that, this has also been a huge key to my success in weight loss is ditch your scale. I know that that's scary to some people. I know that some people have a perfectly healthy response to looking at a number on a scale. I do not, and that is why this has been so key for me. This is what happens. Doing great, I'm following my plan, I'm being consistent. I hop on a scale, and it's actually less than I even imagined. My head says, whoa, I rock, I'm amazing, look at this. I lost more weight than I thought. I'm actually working too hard. I actually could have had that donut. I should go have a donut right now because clearly I could have and it would have been fine. So I'm going to go eat the donuts and then pretty soon, I've just eaten a ton of food, fallen off the wagon and it was because I saw a good number on the scale. Conversely, if I get on that scale and it didn't move like I thought it was going to, oh, I'm working hard, doing all this stuff for nothing. I may as well go have a donut. Screw this. This is stupid. I hate this. It's not fair. Everybody else can do whatever they want and they're skinny and here's me working hard, getting fatter. <laughs> That's what my brain does. So one time I actually picked up my scale and threw it off the balcony of my apartment where I lived because I was so tired of the mental storm that happened every time I got on it. And sometimes I do okay on it, stepping on a scale, but most of the time it is 100% in my worst interest to look at that scale. So sometimes when I go to the doctor, I even ask them not to tell me what it is. It doesn't matter. I know if I'm being consistent or not, and that's all that matters. So consider it. Some of you may be a hardcore scale addict. Um, I don't know, but if you don't want to get rid of it, put it in a closet. Um, Ask your partner to lock it up. Put it under your bed or just make it really hard to get at. Um, I, I don't, think that there's any detriment to weighing yourself monthly, just to see where you are and to readjust. A lot of people preach that it's just something that has never worked for me. And so I just venture, if that sounds like you, to consider ditching the scale too. Um, another key, can, incur, encouraging yourself. I can't even say it. It's so foreign to me. <laughs> Encourage yourself. I want you to imagine that you have a little girl who's learning to ride a bike and she's falling down every other time she's tried. And imagine what you'd say to her as she's practicing riding that bike and falling down. Would you say to her the things you say to yourself when you screw up a diet? Like, wow, you suck. You are never going to get this. <laughs> you should just be a walker. Riding a bike is clearly not for you. You know what? It's hereditary that you can't ride a bike. No one else in your family can ride a bike. Why are you trying to ride a bike? It's definitely not for you. You would like never say that to your little girl. You would say, You got so much closer this time than last time, or You got 10 feet before you fell down. That's the best you've done ever. You got to try harder next time and maybe, maybe balance this way, or maybe, maybe tweak it this way. You would encourage, you would motivate, you would try to be inspiring, you would tweak little things you saw that maybe could be improved upon, but you would never say you're a failure simply because you failed every time. So if you failed every diet you've ever tried, that does not predict your success in the future. And that sounds a little counterintuitive, but if you can think about it as you being a little child that you're trying to encourage. Often it really helps soften the tone that we use with ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves when we fail And yet, when the temptation to fail comes along, we're so easy on ourselves. Have you noticed that? It's like the end of the day and that little voice, is like, you've worked so hard. You deserve to eat that entire cheesecake. Everyone else gets to have cheesecake, live a little. And then when you eat the cheesecake, it's like, you stupid fat idiot. (laughs) It's crazy. Our voices and our heads are so powerful. And when we listen to them and when we reject them and then when we beat ourselves up, it's just a vicious cycle. And so it's so important to learn to be your own loudest cheerleader. And I encourage you to do it out loud. Basically everything that I'm telling you in this podcast involves you talking to yourself. So get ready for some weird stares. But I'm telling you. Saying something out loud means that your ears have to hear it, your brain has to process it, as well as you thinking it and feeling it, and it cements ideas in your mind and in your life so much harder than just having the thought. Give it a try. I also would suggest an encouragement cheerleader section in your journal where you just write positive things. I'm so proud of you. You did X, Y, and Z this week, and you've never done that before, or whatever it is. Track the goodness that you're that you're doing. this is hard, and you can be your own biggest cheerleader in your own life. Also very important, set up roadblocks. Now, on your path, there are going to be things that trip you up, and they're not going to be the same things that trip me up. So it's important to look back at your attempts at weight loss in the past. And see the things that get you. For me, it's movie theaters. I can't go to a movie and not eat movie theater popcorn. And if I've eaten movie theater popcorn, then I want to eat the candy. And then I want to go home and have a full-on binge because of it. And I've learned that going to a movie in the theater and smelling the popcorn, but not having the popcorn, is not fun for me. So I don't go. I just don't go. And I have the rule that if I go to the movies, I'm allowed to have movie theater popcorn. And, uh... I actually don't want to do that because I know what it leads to. You may be able to go to the movies, bring your own popcorn and be just fine or bring an apple or not eat. I can't imagine it. I cannot imagine going to the movies and not eating the whole time. It's like, it's impossible. So I have a roadblock around that. You may have a really big problem going to dinner and not ordering dessert. So you may need to set a roadblock where you pay ahead of time or You tell everyone at the table, I'm not having dessert, do not let me have dessert. Or you tell the waiter, I'm not ordering dessert, please do not ask me. Whatever it is, set up a roadblock. That roadblock is all about you and the things that have tripped you up. I don't have a problem not ordering dessert, but that has nothing to do with you. You need to set up your own roadblock. I can't tell you what those things are, but it's important to identify them and set yourself up so you don't fall in the hole. You're on a path. Weight loss is a path and there are pitfalls all along the way and it's really important to get safety cones and fences and big shiny blinking signs to avoid so that you don't make the same mistakes over and over again and find yourself in the ditch or in a hole or stuck or turned around. So set up those roadblocks. Remember that when you deprive yourself of something that tastes good, it also means you're depriving yourself of how you feel afterwards when you feel like garbage And for me, when I say I'm not going to eat cake at work, yeah, I'm depriving myself of the cake. I'm also depriving myself of the sugar crash at 3 o'clock. Everyone else around me may be tired and lethargic, full of cake. I'm not. So I've deprived myself of the fun experience, yes, but I've also deprived myself of the hangover. So deprivation is a two-way street. Depriving yourself of something good often means you're depriving yourself of something bad as well and vice versa. So set up those roadblocks. Write them down. Write a rule around it. It's important to be real. It's important to be honest with yourself about those things that always trip you up. My number one tip for you, though, after all of that is said and done, is do not quit. You may choose a plan that doesn't work for you. Don't quit. Pick a new one. Get on it. Start over. I fall down a lot. I've readjusted my eating plan a billion times, as you just heard in my weight loss story. I've done Weight Watchers. I've done calorie counting. I've done paleo. um, I've done the 800 calorie a day plan. I've done a vegetarian plan. And all of those things have worked for me beautifully for a period of time. And then at some point they didn't serve me. And so it was important to be nimble and say, I got to change this up and I need to try something new. And the bottom line is, I've never quit. And I never will. What I'm doing right now is counting my macros, sticking to my protein goals, eating high fat. It's working for me. It may not work well for me in the future. And I've learned that it's okay. But as long as it works and I'm working for it, I'm going to do it. Just don't quit. Don't go backwards. Don't fall in the ditch and stay there. Every single moment... Is a chance to start over. You can have a day one today, on a Thursday, on a Tuesday. You can have a day one at 5 p.m. As long as you are able to exhale and start over, you're going to be successful. Remember that January 1st is only a Wednesday. And if you blow it right away, the next day is just a Thursday. And 2020 is just another year in the universe. There's no power to any of it. There's no power to a Sunday morning or a Saturday night. Simply your dedication to being consistent and hitting your goals. So remember to connect with your why. Remember to choose to only change one or two things at a time. Pick a plan that you feel like is going to work for you and stick to it for at least 30 days. Make your goal consistency. Ditch your scale. Make sure that you're encouraging yourself, being your own biggest cheerleader. Set up roadblocks around all of those things that up you up. And don't quit. And those are my keys to success. Those are the things that have been the most powerful in my life. Um, I will venture one more option for you. I just started um, my food coaching business. And so I want to just offer the idea of potentially enlisting a coach like me. Some of you may think, well, what's the difference between therapy and a coach? Well, I'm not a therapist, not even a little bit. A therapist will help you figure out why you do the things that you do and help you resolve issues. A coach is someone who comes along and instead of being a detective to figure out why, a coach is more like a fireman. We're going to put out the fire. We're going to stop the bleeding. I'm going to help you decide how to best reach your goals help you decide what plan to put in place and help you determine your own plan for success. I'm really offering accountability, guided conversation, and a cheerleader, a coach. Think about what a coach does on the sidelines of a football game. I'm there to motivate you, to point you in the right direction, to help you reach your goals. It's not expensive. It's not time consuming. Um, We can meet on Zoom calls or FaceTime or just a phone call, it, it can be a real game changer. I have a food coach and it's been a game changer for me to say out loud to someone else my honest expectations of myself, my honest flaws in my food plan, how I lie to myself, how I pet myself, and when I have to say it out loud, I hear how absurd some of my thoughts are when I really want what I really want and what I need is often so different from what I want. So consider enlisting me as your food coach. I'd love to help you. There's information on my website, destinationbegin.com. You can also um, email me at Kristen at destinationbegin.com. And I'd love to journey with you on your weight loss journey. Thank you so much for joining me on this how-to episode of the Destination Begin podcast. I hope this is helpful to you, especially at this time of year when eyes are turning to the new year and new plans and goals to lose weight. If you have any feedback that you would like to share with me, I covet it. I love hearing from you. I love your comments. I love your questions. Um, Most, I would really love it if you would share this episode with a friend I'd love it if you subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or on Spotify or Anchor or wherever you're listening to this podcast. It means a lot to me as I get this up and running. I really want to have good content that reaches people who need it and who value it. So please do subscribe, leave a review, and most of all, tell me. Because I want to know. You can reach me, email. Is Kristen at DestinationBegin.com. You can also find me on Instagram, DestinationBegin. And please check out my website, DestinationBegin.com. I'm posting more and more things there as I'm getting my website up and running. I posted a little bit about what I'm reading right now, which is a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a terrific book to read this time of year as you're looking at your habits, adding new ones and maybe breaking bad ones. James Clear is an authority on habits, and it's an amazing book. Highly recommend it. There's a little synopsis there on the website and a link to purchase. I have that one um, in paperback as well as an audible version, so I'm really immersing in it. So highly recommend it as a compliment to all of the things that I talked about in this episode. Thanks again for listening. Can't wait to talk to you again real soon.